This podcast is brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. What if your team was as excited to clock in on Monday morning as they were for that first drink on Friday night? As the workforce continues to shift and deal with new disruptions and distractions, leaders are looking for answers as to how they can bring their teams together, recruit and retain top talent, and be ready for the next unexpected adversity. Turns out, when humor plays an active role in the workplace experience, it can help solve all of those challenges. And at Water Cooler Comedy, it's our mission to turn your company into one where laughing together is part of building a stronger culture and improving the problem-solving process. From customized corporate comedy experiences to keynotes to comedy workshops to online training and one-on-one consulting and more, Water Cooler Comedy can help make your company one where people come together to laugh around the water cooler, whether it's in person or virtual. Schedule a free consultation today at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash booking or learn more about us at watercoolercomedy.org because we want to help you make work the time and place to laugh. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at Work. This is the podcast that takes topics and proves that well, you can laugh at them. And one of those topics that uh, people have said year in and year out for way too long is that you can't laugh at work. Well, we're here to prove otherwise. And with me today is the COO and co-founder of 6AM City, Ryan Heafy, based out of Greenville, South Carolina. What's going on, Ryan? Other Not than- much. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, doing great. It's it's the end of a, of a long couple of weeks, and uh, we're we're diving into the holiday weekend head first for sure. Uh, so I found you. I do a lot of research because I visited Greenville. I research the top workplaces wherever I go, just to kind of get a feel for what's going on locally, and that's where I found you. And I reached out to you because when I started college, I went for journalism. And, you you know, the whole mentality, like in high school, like I knew I've always made wanted wanted to make people laugh, uh, but it's not realistic and all that, all that bull. And so I got into journalism because I like to write. And the first thing that I learned in my first journalism class in college was uh, if it bleeds, it leads, which means the more sensationalist the headline, the more violent, the more gripping it is emotionally, more people will, will read it. And I just didn't like that. You at 6 a.m. City are doing something totally different. Kind of to describe uh, what you guys do and, and what led you into that. For sure. So we we basically took and recognized that local media is changing significantly. So as all these local newspapers start collapsing and they're really just covering the, the latest and greatest homicide and car accident and other uh, less desirable political topic, we saw an opportunity to fill the void in all these cities across the United States to share more positive news, a little bit more lighthearted news, uh, the local news and events that you need to know to experience your city, to drive economic impact locally. And we are doing that with a conversational daily email delivered at six o'clock every morning. Everything you need to know about how to experience your city, no politics, no crime and punishment, Um, but really also helping to pull in all the local businesses, nonprofits, and other cool, exciting stuff going on in the city. Uh, And also realizing that a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. So while other news outlets might be talking about um, 
affordable housing or some hospitality tax or something wild going on in the community. Most people have no idea what's going on or what they're actually talking about. So we break it down, distill it, give it to you easy, um, and people love us for it. And so it's we're finding and creating a great space for our community, great space for advertisers to connect with our local communities and really trying to change the way people uh, create and consume content in all these cities across the U.S. And what's funny, too, is, uh, you know, these media companies, they I mean, it's all about the advertising dollar. And what what's funny is studies have shown that uh, consumers or viewers or readers or whatever are more likely to think positively of the the company that's being advertised after watching a more uplifting story versus the the whole everything is falling apart and why you should be worried all the time stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, it it's seems been, like common sense. It's it's been interesting to watch, but I mean the the history has just been everyone's trying to drive ratings and get the most views and impressions. And in today's society, people are uh, pivoting from an advertiser perspective to conversion. And mm-hmm. so, in the legacy model, it clickbait just to see something doesn't necessarily convert for an advertiser anymore. So they're starting to pivot their dollars and spend, and you can't click on a newspaper or a billboard or a TV ad the way that you can an email newsletter product. So by putting uh, fun, uplifting, educational content that people want to come back to every day, we create habitual behavior, we build community, and and it's converting for our readers and our advertisers. And our readers also appreciate the advertiser content because we the same way we keep the, the crap out of the newsletter um, we keep the bad advertisers out of the newsletter. You know, we're not putting stuff that people aren't going to want to consume or participate uh, in the product. So we turn down all political advertising and stuff like that because it's no value add to our to our reader. Right. It goes against your why. <laughs> you don't want Correct. To, even if they're going to pay money, it's not worth it. And and that goes against the grain for most media companies. I mean, maybe there's a correlation between toxic journalism and the facts that like you don't see many of those media companies on top workplace lists. So how do you feel that this choice that you've made has made an impact on your culture to focus on the more uplifting stories? Well, it's definitely uh, made a significant difference for us. I mean, just the other day we were named best and brightest companies to work for in the nation because we have created a culture that is desirable for our staff. I mean, we built our culture based off of what our team wants to see um, in a lot of ways. And they've been part of creating the culture. They helped to define the values. They helped to tell us what benefits they cared about. Um, And we've really kind of picked up all of that, built it into uh, our structure. and, And we now go to market and we lead our job postings with, the value of working here. Uh, we focus on life at 6 a.m. city. What does it look like to be part of the team? Um, not so much the job. And and really, even when it, like we actually evaluate our staff on our company's values more so than their performance in their role. If they're not in line with the company values, odds are they won't be working here in three months. So we care more about the, the people um, and their commitment to the team and and our company values than anything else. And, and that's really just, it's helped to create a, a company where we've retained all of our employees, like through all of COVID, like we, we don't have people quitting. We don't have people that we're having to fire. I mean, like we literally have retained almost hundred percent of our staff over the last 24 months. 
and have grown significantly uh, in that same time period. So um, I think it, the testament to focusing on your, on your staff and the culture uh, has gone a long way. It's not necessarily the cheapest thing to do, um, but I think it's a lot cheaper than the turnover you have uh, by fostering a toxic culture or not listening to your employees um, and, and delivering what they want. Most of what they want uh, is not actually that expensive or hard to deploy. People just aren't listening uh, to their employees a lot of times and, and are therefore in, incapable of delivering uh, the value that the employees are looking to, to have. Mm. That's like, if I could repeat that word for word or fit that all in one quote graphic, like I know <laughs> so many people listening to this are, are scribbling down exactly what you just said, uh, because, you know, as we were talking about before we started recording here, uh, retention and recruiting is, is such a, it's so, it's top of mind for so many people right now. And having that culture in place, like that's the long-term play versus the short-term, like here's some money, you know, here's a, a bonus, here's like a sign on whatever and uh, so you've avoided uh, doing that, uh, I assume. Then, oh yeah, I think we get we get more ideas from our company staff in our FBI channel. So we use <laughs> we use Slack to communicate internally. We have a distributed workforce in twenty four plus cities across the country, and uh, they are connected every day as if they're sitting in the same room. But we have FBI, which is, uh, to be politically correct here, uh, freaking brilliant ideas. And this is where all of our staff, all the way down to our interns, can contribute ideas on how to make the company better. And we take those ideas, we put them in play. So whether that's the team feeling empowered that they've changed processes or the team bringing up that, um, hey, maybe we should do uh, unlimited PTO. And while that may sound like a crazy idea for some business owners, it's actually a brilliant idea. And a lot of times that people use that in a different way that you they use less time off. Um, so truly listening to the employees, listening with curiosity is a value of our company and, and hearing them out. Um, we use a process called two-way feedback internally uh, and a went well next time communication dialogue uh, so that every employee feels like they can talk to their managers and, and to each other as peers. And we listen. We make space and time to pay attention to what's provided, and then we act on it. And I think um, there is a gap a lot of times between listening uh, and then actually doing something about it. Um, I'll share real quick. We just did a, we do an annual company uh, employee survey internally mm -hmm. uh, asking about how good or not we are. Uh, <laughs> what do we suck at? <laughs> what are we great at? And the opportunities for improvement, we come back typically within about 30 days with an action item list on how we're going to address those things uh, to drive the company forward, because there is a solution for every opportunity uh, that is raised uh, for the company to be better. And uh, taking those things and putting them in play and the staff seeing us deliver uh, goes a really, really long way. Where did you learn the, this mentality, uh, the, this leadership mentality? Uh, because, I mean, you came from a mechanical engineering background. Uh, you, you had kind of the, the built-in entrepreneurial mindset in college. I, I've listened to an interview with you. And uh, you thought, you know, the, the C's get degrees, kind of uh, yeah. realizing that <laughs> the, the status quo uh, isn't exactly a fit for you. Uh, so where did you learn this, this mindset of taking care of your people first? By watching other people fail at it. Um, and being part of that 
you know, process. I came as a mechanical engineer working in a Fortune 500 environment that was uh, toxic to say the least, um, lacked opportunity to grow in your own career effectively, uh, limited in what you could do to drive change. Uh, people who were high performers didn't necessarily move up the right way that they should in those companies. And then I joined a small manufacturing company and watched one of the most hostile, toxic workplaces where the leadership did not embrace the team. We had insanely high turnover and that it was a battle and it wasn't worth it. It was, it was, it was unfortunate in a lot of ways. And a lot of people that we would bring on you, you didn't lose and that impacts their families and their lifestyles. And that's not something that I was ever going to, to do as a leader myself. And so when I got to switch sides of the table and, and be in charge, um, we, I, there just wasn't an option. Um, the people are the most important resource that we have in our company um, and always should be and always will be. Um, and I, it's been it's been really interesting to just see how well that goes. Literally every almost every employee that doesn't work for us anymore that's moved on to a new opportunity, which are all awesome. Like we graduate people out to go work and run other co other companies and marketing and sales and whatever. But a lot of them freelance back to us still. I think we have eight former employees that are part-time to us in some capacity because they still love working here. You know, so if you can, if you still work with your employees after they leave your company, I mean, that's an incredible, I, I never thought that that was even something that would be possible. You would, you know, you cut ties with them and they're gone, but a lot of them come back and continue to support us um, and send referrals our ways, or they're now clients of ours. I mean, it's, it's been pretty unique, but it's all based on the relationship that you build because culture is is a word, but it's really about building the relationship with the employees and making the employees feel like they're part of a team um, and that everybody's got each other's backs um, all the time. And we're all driving towards the same North Star and and it, it goes a long way. Yeah, that does go a long way. Uh, and And there's a lot of organizations that are struggling with that. You know, how do we uh, open up the floor for suggestions and ideas. What, what, you know, what do we, how far do we take it? And and so on. And it, it is a big risk. Uh, and that means a lot of falling on your face. Have you, have you done that before? Like, have you taken it too far or uh, not done it right in some cases? Like what's an example of, of falling on your face when it comes to building this culture and how have you responded and how does sense of humor come into play? So, <laughs> there's a three-parter I, I threw yeah the as a leader sometimes you expect certain things and i myself and my business partner have had a tendency to react not respond mm. and a lot of times when you react to a situation you get egg on your face pretty fast um because your response is out of frustration um, over a topic. And then you find yourself having to fall on the sword, uh, with your staff and be like, that was not the right way to handle this situation. Um, and I'm going to change And over time. Um, we've got a lot better at, uh, not reacting and to focus more on responding. Um, but like, <laughs> there are several times where I've in my career and, and anyone's where you say something stupid and you're, 
bite your tongue afterwards. You're like, that is not how I meant that to come off. And you lose credibility with your employees. I mean, you, it's like embarrassing almost, but the best way to get that credibility and respect back is to own up to the fact that you did make a mistake. And a lot of people are so hard headed and want to just, I'm always right. And so whatever I said is the way it's going to be. And that's actually not going to get you anywhere. And you build an animosity between your team. Um, we own our poor choices um, and decisions and the way if we, if we approach something incorrectly, you got to, you got to own it. Um, the other day I, and I think the bigger opportunity a couple of, so a couple of days ago, I told some people that are leaders in our community that uh, I didn't necessarily agree with some of their, uh, what they were doing uh, locally. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do it in the most uh, professional manner. And it was a, it made me look bad, but it also created opportunity. So now I've gone out, I've shared uh, proactive, positive solutions to take things forward. So I took one step back, but now two steps forward. Um, Regain the credibility, you go out there uh, and prove that that you can own it. um, And you now establish a much stronger bond and relationship with all those people. So um, yeah, I make mistakes. I made one a couple of days ago. I owned it. I ate it. We're back on track, but, uh, all folks do that and, uh, making sure that as a leader too, we appreciate when our, um, team makes mistakes so long as they own it. Um, you know, don't ever surprise me, uh, with something, you know, own up to what you've done or what the gaps are and you'll always be a winner. You can't laugh at that. Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at Work. And I want to interrupt this episode real quick. Ryan Heafy talks a lot about his culture at 6AM City. And the evidence is clear. They have almost a 100% retention rate throughout all of the pandemic, all the way up until right now. There's a reason for that. If you are not building your culture, it doesn't matter what bonuses you're offering. It doesn't matter how much money you're offering. It doesn't matter the benefits or the 401k match that you're offering to keep people. Anybody can do that. What sets you apart is your culture. That is those day-to-day interactions. That is what happens when somebody falls short of a goal, when somebody makes a mistake, when there's a problem. How do people respond? How does your team support one another? That's what creates a great workplace that has a low turnover rate, a high retention rate, a high engagement rate, and a workplace that becomes known as a top workplace where people are bursting down the door to come work there. Your organization can be that kind of workplace. I've developed a hands-on transformative eight-week program to train your managers how to be leaders, how to interact with your team, how to strengthen culture with every interaction. All you got to do is visit watercoolercomedy.org forward slash keep your people, set up a call at that link. We'll have a conversation and make sure that there is a fit for you and your team. So watercoolercomedy.org forward slash keep your people. Hope to talk to you soon, but until then, enjoy the rest of this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work. You can't laugh at that. How does a sense of humor play a role in that? Like, do you have a specific example of being able to laugh at yourself and say, okay, this is like, I messed up big time here. That's my bad. Yeah. Um, (laughs) We uh, thought it would be a good idea to put, (laughs) so there's a thing called the onion and the orchid in architecture. And uh, you talk about real estate development. And I believe this is how it goes historically is, the onion is like kind of a 
the not so great architectural design and the orchid is the beautiful one or something like that. Well, we thought we would take a play on that and all these buildings in town, all these new apartment complexes and stuff, we were going to decide which ones people liked in our community and which ones they didn't. So we were going to do thumbs up, thumbs down or something similar. And our team and myself decided it would be a good idea to use a poop emoji uh, instead. So we went out and we had our community uh, rank the designs of all these buildings in town who are all peers and friends and whatever. So we decided, or the community decided that this was the worst building in town. We threw a giant poop emoji on it and told the entire community that um, this is the shittiest building in our city. Well, the phone blew up all morning with the developer, the property manager, the, you know, people who advertising that were advertisers of ours. Um, I mean, you don't always win. Uh, it was a lesson learned and we evolve uh, how we move forward. But you call this, you got to call the shots sometimes and they're not always the right ones. Um, and so, you know, you drop a poop emoji on somebody uh, and they're going to come back and tell you how shitty of a decision that was. <laughs> Yeah, but but how much better or how much worse than a thumbs down is that? You know, either I, way, you're still saying the same message. I know. Can't I mean sometimes you can't win, but it's uh it brings some lighthearted comedy to to what we're doing. Um we try to be fun in in all things. I mean there's there are mistakes that we make and and people call us out for them and and we learn. I mean there's you know, we also learn a lot and have a lot of fun with our typos um, and owning those as well. Um, we've definitely put some uh, <laughs> some things in the new in our. So we put out a newsletter and it's a product. And when it hits the your inbox, you cannot edit edit a newsletter like you can a website. Mm-hmm. So once you send an email, it's gone. So every once in a while, our team uh, may we we. we have typos (laughs) and sometimes they're not appropriate um and those those really create some fun comedy uh we sent out our we sent out our newsletter and all uh l'oreal ipsum uh with all the stuff that says insert title subject line here (laughs) put body copy here and people are like i mean just it's entertaining um but they all are opportunities for continuous improvement within the company all the time um and, and we learn from them and we and we call them out and celebrate the mistakes um, because they're all opportunities to learn. They're not, you cannot grow if you don't learn from your mistakes. And if you think someone's not going to make mistakes, you're wrong. Uh, People are human and they inherently are going to mess up every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you just punish people for that, it's not going to get you anywhere. No one learns. It's hard to learn when you're getting yelled at. That's for sure. Yeah. So you've grown from just Greenville to you're planning on 24 cities by Thanksgiving. That's correct. And then 50 within the next two years. Yeah. So, I mean, with revenue uh, looking to to surpass, what, 5 million this year? I'm basing this off of what I've read. Yeah, we'll, we'll clear about 5 million this year and then triple that next year. So that's insane growth for five years. So obviously what you're doing is working. What is next uh, other than all of those goals? And uh, what is the biggest obstacle getting in between you and that? 
right now, right now, our biggest obstacle to growth is uh, capacity with the team. So we're going from 45 to 105 employees in like 120 days. It's just a, a heavy lift to, to do that. Um, so we, we need to get more talent on the team as fast as humanly possible, hire uh, more senior folks who've had deeper experience in other industries. Um, but we have really been positioned for scale through COVID. We've already had a distributed workforce. We've already been operating in the Zoom world before COVID was a thing. Um, and now, I mean, we just, we know the formula. Um, it's like scaling a franchise. Like we can open up any city in 60 days. We've got the capital and the funding partners and we're generating the revenue so we can go. It's just how fast can you hire talent? Mm. Um, and the challenge is that it's hard to, to find the right talent on the team. I mean, we talk about comedy. I mean, one of the hardest things is this uh, smart brevity is a, a term Ax- Axios is t- coined actually. It, it's like anybody can write something long when you try to take the news and pare it down and make it funny and short and brief, which is what we're trying to do and be conversational. That's hard. Mm-hmm. And to find folks who, who can do that is a challenge. So we actually look for a lot of people who've got creative writing background. A lot of our staff do improv comedy um, as their side hustle. You know, they're like, because those folks are better at packaging information in an easily consumable manner mm-hmm. in a way that's going to connect with a reader better. So like we've actually, we do some like comedy creative type workshops with our staff because it gets them thinking in a different way than some of the long form boring journalism that's out there historically. We need to bring that down to digestible bite-sized pieces that people are going to resonate with and people breathe headlines like (laughs) yeah you got to break the news down and make it headline style so that people get get more out of it um but yeah i mean if we can if we can identify talent and bring them on the bus the faster we can do it the more markets that we can be in um and uh you know i think between the benefits and pack culture and things that we've created we're we're there um it's now just identifying the talent and not a lot of talent out there that's let's ready to go and work and, and wants to hustle. Um, so we're looking for high performers and editorial and sales um, roles and convince them to take a leap into something that's growing um, and come on board. But uh, it's been highly rewarding. And I'm sure anyone in our staff would say so um, to be part of the team. Now it's just, how do I go find you know, one person every other day <laughs> for the next four months. Right. It's a lot of people to bring on the bus. Um, but we're, we're fired up about it. And, and there are some great folks out there. Um, we just got to make the right handshakes uh, and convince them to come over. And, uh, and they get to be the celebrities running the product in their different cities um, and connect with the communities and drive economic impact. And, Hopefully that's a rewarding opportunity uh, for the people that are on our team too. So you've got meaning, you've got fun, you've got improvement, you've got growth. I mean, you've got all of these things baked into to every single uh, every single potential job opening that that exists. Uh, and I love what you said about describing what it's like to work there versus what you're doing and uh, continue with that messaging. If you'd like, uh, you can send me a link and I'll throw it in the show notes if uh, for like uh, hiring or whatever, um, 
whatever works best for you. I can include that in the show notes as well. So if anybody, yeah. cool, <laughs> you are on it. 6amcity.com backslash jobs. I mean, there's about 40 open positions right now. Um, we're looking for the person who won the beer pong championship or ping pong championship. Um, you know, that that's the, that's the person who's got that fun personality. Who's out there. That's, that's, um, changing the world in their own way by being a fun, active part of their community, having fun through pride in place, um, is a core value of our company. Um, and if you're not having fun in your city, and you're not having fun in your workplace, then you're not the right person to be on our team. Um, but if you want to have fun where you work, you want to have fun in the cities that you live in, you want to get rewarded appropriately for the work that you do and recognize those are the people that we want on our team. Um, and we're always down for some good challenges uh, and entertaining uh, competitions internally. I think right now we have uh, baby pictures uh, challenge going on. Uh, we The company is currently competing to see if we can match uh the employee today with the baby picture of yesterday um and we've gamified it we got some fun uh competition going on internally we do those things every few weeks um and it keeps our staff motivated and, and exciting so we're, we're excited about what's next yeah gamification i mean that's another that's another innovation that, that keeps people human uh at, at work and and you're you're 10 steps ahead of the curve uh Fortunately, but also unfortunately, you know, more and more organizations, uh, I wish we would lean into this. Um, you know, if I were, uh, if I would have stuck it out and gotten that journalism degree, something like you're doing is, is something that would be right up my alley. Um, so one last question, and then I will let you uh, get to your weekend. And that is, what is the last, last thing that you guys laughed about as a team? That's a great question. Um, probably, so we have a thing called party line in our company, and it is a constant uh, error of comedies uh, and things. So usually these are us celebrating uh, stuff together, mm -hmm. um, but it's also where we drop a lot of uh, comedy. I think we were celebrating uh, an employee's passion for Wu-Tang Clan okay. uh, in the party line yesterday. Um, and our book yesterday was Wu-Tang Clan. And the day before that was National Read a Book Day. And our company's book club decided that they have a new mascot uh, named Gorp. Um, I have no idea who Gorp is, but my whole staff does. And they've got this giant dialogue going on. There is a constant thread of dialogue and banter and comedy between the staff that usually is over my head um, in many ways, but they are all jiving on it all the time. Um, and it's an absolute blast uh, to be part of that. And sometimes I feel a little old and outdated with some of the stuff that they're discussing, but uh, we're having fun with it. Yeah. And that's all that matters, especially as you're expanding uh, so quickly, you've got to maintain those things. And so uh, I appreciate that you do those, those sorts of things, that you have the improv, that you have all those uh, Slack channels and, and all of that. And uh, thank you for taking the time to prove that you can laugh at work. You can't just laugh at work. It is the most important thing that you can do is laugh at work. If you're not laughing at work, you're not having a good time. 
And if you're not having fun in the job that you do, then you probably should be looking for another job. Absolutely. And uh, in, in today's market, that uh, having that culture is is so important. And uh, that is why this is the part where I plug uh, my own thing. Uh, and that is why I am uh, offering an eight week management training course. If you want to create a killer culture, that is a culture that is undeniable, where people go out of their way to talk about how awesome it is to work for you. Uh, you can do that. And it all starts with the mindset of your managers and of your leaders. So visit watercoolercomedy.org forward slash keep your people for more information on that. You can find us uh, on Twitter. Uh, of course, you can't laugh at that. Uh, it's at you can't laugh pod on Facebook. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the David Horning. Visit watercoolercomedy.org to learn how to make your organization a little bit more fun by using humor as a strategic initiative. With that being said, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here today and uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, David. It's always fun to, to chat. You and you as well. You can't laugh at that.